There are multiple investigations into whether Trump's campaign colluded with Russia on the election. Well, did they? You're the jury, guilty or innocent, and please explain your verdict. Right now, I'd have to say innocent because not enough information has been revealed. We are cons- we are still investigating this, and I think we should investigate it to yeah. its fullest extent. All right. And if we do find the evidence that they have had collusion with Russia, then they should, uh, the justice system should do their due diligence and they should be punished accordingly. Woo! (laughs) No undue diligence. (laughs) Boo! (laughs) That's Miss Missouri answering her ridiculous question during the Miss USA pageant. And you hate to even fault the little gals. I mean, it's not their fault. No, no. Why don't they give them math problems? I I mean, it's every bit as appropriate. I talk about that crap for a living, and if you gave me 30 seconds on a stage with that question, uh, how do I answer this in 30 seconds? Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, yeah. Well, they ought to investigate, and if they find anything, they ought to uh, do what the Justice Department does. (laughs) Yeah! <laughs> oh boy. Well, speaking of justice and injustice, uh, Jim Roop, Westwood One, uh, joins us uh, to talk about a county in California that has more opioid prescriptions than people. Hello, Jim. How are you, sir? I am very well. There are actually a few, but Trinity County ranks above them all. You have 13,628 people in Trinity County. They have filled 18,439 prescriptions for opioids, painkillers. In what period? Uh, 2016. Good God. And in one year. How is that even possible? You've got to talk to the doctors. Now, it's Shasta County, Tuolumne County, Del Norte. Most rural counties are finding this issue. These are among... The, the counties with the most opioid prescriptions. And a, a lot of that has to do with their access to pain management therapies and things like that. They don't have the distance is a problem. So it's easy. Mm, I don't know if I'm buying that. got to go to work. You know, they got to ride the tractor or, or pick the, the, the crops or whatever it is. I don't know if I'm buying that. I'm, I'm, lax, there has been a lax attitude in painkiller prescription writing for a long time. And the CDC has set guidelines for that to try and reduce the amount of prescriptions that doctors are writing. Yeah, um but so this is this is not even cuz you hear about uh, various counties I usually hear about this on the east coast but or Ohio's made a lot of news with this. But these yeah, people that but, are, you know, they get hooked uh legally with prescriptions, but then they're buying the black market stuff. This is pe- this isn't even all the people that might be buying black market stuff. Uh right, because they're addicts now. These are actual prescriptions from the doctor. Right, and about half of the overdose deaths from opioids are black market drugs, are, are stolen drugs, or illegally gained drugs. Half of them are actually prescriptions written. But That's here's interesting. A weird fact. Out of out of one thousand in the state of California, out of one thousand five year olds, eight of them are getting prescriptions for opioids. You're kidding? Who has given their five year old opioids for pain unless they had something horrific going on? Out of 1,010 to 14-year-olds, 35 of them have prescriptions for painkillers. Wow. Yeah, wow, it's, so it's, it's three and a half out of 100, which is a little easier to comprehend. 
That's just amazing. I mean, so has everybody in this county been in a wood chipper accident? I mean, do they? <laughs> it just—it's you got to put most of this on the doctors, don't well, you? I was just going to say the oh, doctors yeah. in Trinity County—they got cigarettes hanging out of their mouths and they're wearing reflective aviator shades <laughs> when you walk into their office. Come yeah, on. That's what the Committee on Responsible Prescription Writing or whatever the heck the, the, this committee is called. They they blame the lax attitude in writing prescriptions. It's just easy to write a script for a, a painkiller. And as you, as you said, people get hooked on it, and then when the prescription runs out or the doctor says we're not going to renew it, then they turn to the black market or, or even stealing these kinds of drugs. But Oregon has a problem. Uh, you mentioned Ohio, uh, Virginia, places like that. I mean, those, that's, it's it's just exploded there too in a 15 year period between i think uh, 1999 and 2014 the amount of prescription opioids written or the amount of uh, opioid prescriptions written quadrupled in that 15 year period there has just been this explosion in the US uh, of painkillers and, and doctor feel goods out there just writing the script yeah unbelievable and it's killing people by the tens of thousands jim roof westwood one thanks jimmy good to talk to you, you bet. Yep. So there's right. at least a 50-50 chance when I disappear. If you really need to find me, look in Trinity County. Oh yeah, yeah, good good place to be. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Um uh You know, both sides get should get a lot of blame. Um I mean, ultimately, it's it's up to you to say no cuz clear clearly Without even knowing what's going on here, clearly they're writing pain pill prescriptions for things that don't require it. Sure. That's just got to be the case. On the other hand, haven't haven't most of us turned down pain medication when we didn't think we needed it? Right. Why, why are people saying yes to this? It's got to be uh, part of it's got to be a cultural norm. I mean, it's like if the doctor was handing out free bottles of decent wine, I think, well, I can drink it. I can give it away. I can sell it. All right. Because everybody is drinking wine in my hood. Everybody's up in Shasta. If you were to say to somebody, uh, somebody said, God, I'm really, I'm, I'm Jones and I got to get some uh, Oxy. I'm just, I'm freaking out over here. And you said, you know, I got some, I'll sell it to you. It, you wouldn't be looking around, oh no, I hope nobody heard me. Because it's happening like crazy around there. It's like pot in Mendocino County. Nobody cares. So if you have half a chance to get a script for, for some of this stuff, I think you probably get it. Because you're willing to sell it illegally. Sure. Well, that that's a pretty weird is. culture. That's a pretty weird culture. It's, not, the... it's, not, it's weird to you. It's not weird to them, which is my point. Everybody's yeah. doing it. I don't know if I believe that either, but something's got to be the reason. <laughs> so I can't dismiss you... every, every uh, theory because something's true. You've got almost a third more prescriptions than people over the course of the year. Although, granted, you know what's the, what's the maximum time for an opioid prescription? I don't know. That's probably worth knowing. Is it, is it 30 days or a month or something like, like that? Then if you're a junkie and you're working your doctor, obviously you're getting 12 for for you. But I've taken, I think, four Vicodin in my life. That's the total of my opioid use in my entire life. And three of those were with cancer. Um, I say no to that stuff. I just can't believe everybody's saying yes to it. And then on the other end of it, how are you doctors writing Vicodin or Oxycontin or whatever scripts for, geez, for what? 
Everything? For youngsters? For everything that anybody has? My, He's my, having teething pain. Yeah, exactly. My five-year-old wakes up in the middle of the night because his legs hurt, like my five-year-old does. And we give him some ibuprofen because it's called growing pains. Everybody has them. So are the doctors in these counties, are they giving Oxycontin to five-year-olds? Exactly. Because their legs hurt? Exactly. Sure. I can't imagine some of those numbers are people are, are kind of addict parents just using their kid's name to get oh, a fresh name sort of thing. Of course they there are. You go. Yeah. Okay. So the, uh, there's some percentage of that is child is kids with actual horrific illnesses. And, and Although the, the doctor the, still wrote it. That's true. For a five-year-old. I'm, I'm telling you. Wouldn't you say to the parent, I'm not going to write a script for Oxycontin for your five-year-old because they have growing pains. Get out, you perv. Every kid has growing pains. Give them a couple ibuprofen. Well, no, it's it's feel, Dr. Feelgood's. It's like in Florida, where they came across these fake doctors in strip malls who'd write you a prescription for anything. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Doc, I got quit wasting my time. What's your name? <laughs> you know, they just write them out. I'd imagine there's such a trade for it up there in Shasta Trinity. You got to, you know, you got your guy graduated last in their class at medical school. They got to be a doctor somewhere. So they go up to Shasta, to well, Trinity County. They open up a little shop, and I'm not saying if you break your wrist, they won't set it for you, because they will. And then they'll hook you up with three, four bottles of Oxy. So so a couple of people here said that a smaller number of people could account for all those prescriptions. Sure, yeah. Frequent um, flyers. Doctors are required to write a new prescription every month, so one person can have 12 prescriptions a year. A 1,000 okay, people could generate 12,000 per year, obviously. Um. So. Well... Assuming that is true, I'm doing some quick math in my head here, which is going to end poorly. But then you got to do something about these doctors that are writing endless numbers of scripts for people. You don't need these. Very few people need constant pain management. Very few people. Yeah. Okay. To that level. Okay. Here's here's a way to break down that number because I appreciate them pointing that out. uh, Even though I already pointed it out, but that just you know you're right in the text. I totally understand. So. You're getting you're getting twelve a year for the hypothetical pill junkie, okay? Well, according to uh, the population, the number so that would be uh, one and a half, fifteen hundred people out of thirteen thousand. So it's more than ten percent. It's like thirteen, fourteen percent of people in that county are on oxycontin all year. Long. I wonder how many doc- year round. I don't wonder how many doctors are involved. It might just be a couple doctors that everybody knows are the. They yeah. just don't care. <laughs> they should be. I would impri- guess they should be imprisoned. By the way. And that where, where did Roop come up with that? Did somebody tell him that uh, these rural counties they don't have access to other alternatives to pain management? Oh come on, <laughs> that is not what, that's not what's driving this. All right, a couple of real quick calls, and then we're moving on. It's uh, Dennis. Go ahead, Dennis. What's on your mind? Hi, Dennis. Uh, hi, this is uh, Dennis, and I... Uh, did you say Did you say hello, Dennis? Out, yeah, I pointed out... Well, you're nervous. The, uh, I understand. I pointed out that the Trinity uh, uh, use of pain meds may not be accurate, and I use pain medication, and I have to go to my doctor every every 30 days to get a script written. What's your... And that... Yes, go ahead. You have ongoing pain, like just constant from what? Uh, yes, acute, yeah. Oops, sorry. Joe didn't like him. No, I, I hung up on him. No, that was an accident. It's a very sensitive mouse. I would wink, like to, wink. I got I'm, you, Joe. I, I'm sorry, bro. My fault. That was my bad. You didn't help him with his uh, pain situation. Now I've given him the pain of being cut off mid sentence. <laughs> Although he did answer, "Hello, Dennis." So. No, wait, I'm Dennis. 
Mark is on the line. Hello, Joe. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Bob. Anyways, uh, so guys, listen, I was, I was listening to you, and uh, I listen to you every morning, and I used to sell this stuff. And I can't begin to tell you, I got out of it after six months. Um, I can't begin to tell you that the wink, wink, this is what we indicate this for, but wink, wink, go after people with pain. And the, uh, the training for this stuff, for this particular unnamed company, was two weeks, more parties than work, and really pretty people. Uh, nobody had any history of really good sales or anything, and we did this, and it was horrendous. And every night I went to bed with a rock in my throat thinking, how am I doing this to people? Wow, okay, so it, it, it took me a second. I assumed initially you were illicitly selling it, but no, you worked for a pharmaceutical company, and you threw a bunch of, like, really sexy parties. What, for doctors? Uh, yeah, there were, uh, you know, every there were lunches and uh, dinners. and. I used to go to these the, parties. Uh, well, he was saying that those parties were their training. That's That was the training in order to sell these things to doctors. Was is that what you were saying, Mark? Party. Yeah. You're like Trump. Absolutely. You need people to yeah. interpret you. <laughs> I'm kidding. There you go. Well, I'll tell you. They, uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, less information, the better, um, and more money in the doctor's pockets. The more scripts were sold, the more scripts got sold. Area managers got bonuses. You got bigger bonuses. And um, there were a lot of little things, details. If someone, weekly, if someone from this news organization, organization calls you, say this. Right. Um, oh, really? No kidding. information on that. That and thorough. let me tell you. And, you know, we, we all got into this, and the group I was in got into this thinking this was for cancer pain. So you think you're doing a good thing, and you realize all the people that are under your patient list, are nobody has cancer. They always feel like neck pain, back pain, headaches, you're going to pain clinics, the sleaziest places you would never bring your worst enemy kind of thing. Wow. Those were our target markets. How interesting, this company, Mark. This company made a, I mean, we're talking big money, big money, and still making big money, and was in the news, and one doctor carried the whole company based on scripts, and the FBI probed him. That salesperson and doctor now in prison. Wow. <laughs> so, Beautiful. There you yeah. go, folks, and pot is still illegal because it's dangerous. All right. <laughs> That's, right. That is pretty interesting. I, I wonder, the, the guy you hung up on, I uh, wonder what his pain was. I was kind of wondering if he was going to say he has chronic back pain or something, which he might have, but it's also a good thing to convince yourself of when you're a, an addict. You know what? I've reformed. I'm meticulous about gun safety, but I had my finger on the trigger of the mouse, even though I didn't intend to shoot it. Mm. It's just a bad habit. Mm. So I've learned. Huh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wonder if we're going to get the, our arms around this whole... Uh, Opioid thing. God, I kind of doubt it. it. You know, if people want to get high, they're going to get high. If they want to get high till they're dead, they're going to get high till they're dead. How many people, <laughs> this is what I'd like to know, how many people start with the intention of getting high as opposed to start with just the pain management and end up? I would like to know that answer myself. That's a great question. Yeah. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Ah, a couple of texts. Is this a best of? I hear callers on the air. Also, we got the text, I need an oxy after you taking phone calls. I disagree. I thought they were illuminative. They illuminated things. Yeah. You disagree? Mm. Um, I thought they were fun. Everything, a couple couple of reasons for this, or people speculating why the the, the drug explosion. You know what? The first call was fine. I'm sorry I cut the dude off. The second one about the guy who actually was a pharmaceutical rep, that was great. Right. So we took two phone calls. They were both great. I don't understand the... uh, Dissatisfaction. I'm just thinking it's it's easy sarcasm. I'm thinking it's trolling. 
It's 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 social media cruelty, and I resent it. Everything is patient satisfaction. If you don't prescribe the drugs, the patients won't rate you poor. Will rate you poorly. We've heard that over and over again. So it's the um, you know it's the Yelp reviews, if you will, of doctors and nurses and all that sort of stuff. They so they just give in to everybody. <clears throat> then somebody said, uh, I went to the doctor recently, and they said, "What's your 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 pain on a scale of one to ten? I said, "It's a one." They said, "That's the first time anybody's ever said that." <laughs> does this does this opioid thing uh, fit in with the same timeline of this ridiculous "What's your pain on a scale of one to ten thing that started that I- nobody knows? If you ask three different nurses. Worst pain I've ever felt, worst pain I can imagine, you'll get different answers. Mm. They don't know. Mm. I've had that experience. I think the pain mm. scale came in at the same time as the customer satisfaction or patient satisfaction Probably. system, and I, I, I do Probably. think they're all tied together. Probably. The new pain scale is much more specific, but uh, I know you're an activist, so I won't try to argue with you. Betsy, hi. I think you can help us with this. Go ahead. Yeah, my husband's a pediatrician, and he got called in the middle of the night a while back from the emergency department saying that there was a 13-year-old boy there with strep throat that my husband was going to have to admit to the hospital because he needed morphine IV to control his pain. And the parents refused to take him home because he was so miserable that he had to be admitted to the hospital. And who decided he needed morphine? Uh, uh, The doctor apparently gave it to him in the emergency room, and it helped. And so the parents refused to take him home with, you know, with that amount of pain. The pain thing did start in the 90s, where the, the pain level was the AMA uh, added it to the temperature, pulse, respiration, blood pressure, now pain, the fifth vital sign. And right, anything good intentions. over the age of of five or uh, of level over five had to be treated. Well, th- th- there's now a big... they are rescinding this. So I can go in and say, "Yeah, my elbow's stiff. It's a it's a ten. I can barely function." Yeah, and they yeah. kind of they have to give me some uh, powerful drugs. Well, they, they they ought to rescind it because you can you can measure everybody can easily measure a pulse <clears throat> and your blood pressure. Those are statistics. Every everything else is kind of. You know, for one, it's somebody's opinion, so you don't know if they're being honest. <laughs> right. I know in the social sciences, a term that is in itself a stretch, uh, to self-report is to misreport. Sure, of course any, it would be. Any responsible statistician knows that. We've also heard from doctors that people claim to have the highest pain tolerances are the people that always say they're a 10. Doctors have told us that. Interesting. We've talked about this in the past. Mm. Uh, that's the end of phone calls, by the way. Yes. <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of our that's lives. How, that's how long it worked. That was just something. <laughs> Back to normal. Yes! Freedom! <laughs> every time, every once in a while, we try to get in, then we think, eh, oh, that we were right the first time. <laughs> we were right the first time. It's like when I try, there's like so various foods I try that I think maybe I overreacted. No, I still don't like it. It's like going to the Indian casino, huh, Marsh? Or pe- you know what? Let's go. I'll bet we'll win this time. People might be a better example. You think, oh, you know what? We shouldn't get together with so-and-so. Maybe, maybe I was in a bad mood that night. No, <laughs> I, was, I was right. <laughs> They're annoying. <laughs> that was awful. Did he forget about the last time he told us about that camping trip? Because he did the whole thing again. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, golly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, boy. So what's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, under the cover of Hurricane Irma coverage, a dramatic move by the Justice Department. We're going to get into that. And also, we have the Colors of Success. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. The Colors of Success. Yes.
Is this like having a red power tie? You mean that sort of thing? Exacto mundo. Okay. Super. I hope khaki's powerful. Because I'm wearing it. Rocking the khaki. A khaki oh, onesie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> khaki pants, khaki shirt, my shoes. Khaki. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. How you doing? I'm never taking morphine unless I really, really need it. I'd be taking it now if I could get away with it. Some of my favorite rock stars say never try morphine. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> really? yeah. It's the greatest thing ever and highly addictive. Oh. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's like super medical grade heroin, really. Yeah. Hope I don't ever need that. Uh, let's get the news now, Marsha Phillips. Uh, it is the 16th anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. President Trump at the Pentagon this morning saying the U.S. and the world changed forever by the 9-11 attacks. The horror and anguish of that dark day were seared into our national memory forever. It was the worst attack on our country since Pearl Harbor. Trump calling the terrorists savage killers, saying they represent barbaric forces of evil and destruction. Did he mention the uh, groups of Palestinians he saw dancing in New Jersey? No. 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 No, Not this time around. That was a big thing there for a while, right? Uh, New Jersey, Palestinian territories. It was somewhere. Meanwhile, under the cover of Hurricane Irma coverage, the Justice Department announced it will not prosecute former IRS executive Lois Lerner for targeting conservative groups during the 2010 and 2012 elections. So Congress decided they're not going after Lois Lerner, announced it in the midst of the biggest hurricane ever to hit the East Coast, so it uh, got obscured. uh, Correction, I believe that was the Justice Department, the administration. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is pretty significant. So what do you think's going on there? Well, I'll tell you what's going on, and you uh, you helped figure it out back in the day. Now, not prosecuting Lois Lerner is interesting to me, but much more interesting, and I've been calling this calling for this from the beginning, because everybody involved has admitted they targeted, in particular, conservative groups, which is extremely uh, unconstitutional. It's one of the articles of impeachment against Nixon, et cetera, et cetera. He did it against the liberal groups. Okay, so you let Lois Lerner go. Who ordered her to do it? How high did it go? They're not investigating that. They don't care because, as Jack pointed out at the time, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, and all their loyal soldiers, they hate the Tea Party movement way more than the Democrats do. Look at it right now. Look who's who's standing in the way of a great Republican slight tweak of Obamacare. It's the Freedom Caucus guys. It's the Tea Party right. lunatics. And I use that in quotes because I love them. Um... It's the Republican mainstream. They have no interest in exposing the effort to bring down the Tea Party movement. That is the last thing they want to do. Yeah, I give credit to Rush Limbaugh for that's where I first heard the idea, and I thought that makes absolutely perfect sense. The Republican Party hated the Tea Party more than the Democrats. Democrats could run against the Tea Party. Sure. Republicans could Brand be. them as all sorts of lunatics and racists and whatever. Yeah. Never mind that that was completely fictional. But. Who knows what Republicans may have been involved in the targeting of the Tea Party by the IRS. They loved it. 
Seven people under arrest following anti-hate rallies in downtown Portland, Oregon yesterday. Police are saying a couple officers got hurt when the demonstrators threw things at them. Officials say that at one point, counter-demonstrators got into a shouting match with members of the Patriot Prayer Group before the prayer demonstration moved to another location. Now, for those concerned that this was a, quote, white nationalist gathering, witnesses say that Patriot Prayer speakers condemned racism, white supremacy, and violence repeatedly. They also... So, I got a question for you, and I realize you're in a hurry, Marshall. Why was it an anti-hate rally? Is that because that's what Antifa called it? What hate were they anti? Well, I think they ta- characterized it as right. anti-hate. You, you got to at least say "quote unquote" anti-hate rallies, right. or what Antifa called anti-hate rallies. I don't know what hate they're talking about. We've had people from the uh, what are they called the Patriot, Patriot Prayer, Prayer, Prayer Organization. Right. Yeah, we've talked to those people. Where we're trying to get one of the guys on uh, maybe next hour. Um, they're they're not about any kind of hate. So to call them. A hate that you could rally against is well, you're just making something up. You think they're to the right of you, and so you feel like you can beat them up in the streets. And by the way, it would appear that you can. Certainly in Portland you can. Go on, Marsh. Colors of success, you know, one-tenth of a second. That's how long it takes us to decide whether a person we just met is attractive and trustworthy. That is according to research from Princeton. Some of the impression, the initial impression, depends on the color of the clothes you're wearing. Researchers have determined, I'll run through these very quickly, that red is a powerful color, implies confidence and leadership abilities. Blue is the color of trust and suggests you're a peacemaker. Black apparently uh, will uh, make people think uh, you look uh, very uh, authoritarian and uh, very sophisticated. That's excellent because I'm wearing a fair amount of black today. But they also advise to pep it up with a splash of color. You don't want to come off looking, you know, too scary. So we interpret these colors this way, but is there any studies that show that it's true? That somebody who tends to wear black is authoritarian or authoritarian, and, and they just don't want to look slimmer? They're well, not just heavy, and they want to hide that they're heavy? Although I'd point out, and I tip my cap to Princeton for probably getting grant money to study this, yes. every single one of those conclusions is as old as mankind. I mean, come on, Darth Vader in black, please. What do you think? The red power tie, etc. The, uh, what was the, oh, true blue. He's true true blue. blue. Mm -hmm. You know, blah, blah, blah. This this is known. Now, now, Joe, you're talking about how you like to wear khaki. Well, don't count out. Oh, yeah. Don't count out brown. It signals reliability, which is why UPS picked it as the color of its uniform. Reliability. Like an oak. Not just because it hides stains well. <laughs> it's good, reliable car- carpet color, for instance. So they could hide in all the boxes in case they needed to. <laughs> Our boxes are brown, I'm wearing brown. Camouflage. The whole tenth of a second to determine yeah. how attractive somebody is. Yeah. I remember in a some psych class I took in college, professor said right away, everybody in here is already determined who they'd be willing to sleep with and wouldn't sleep with. Wow. That is what we do. We look around the room and we <laughs> see, I would her, I would her, I would her, I wouldn't her, I wouldn't her. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it uh, made everybody kind of look around. I mm, wonder where I'm on that list. <laughs> Nobody? Yes. Not one person? Well, really? Anybody want to see my list? <laughs> Show of hands. <laughs> no, Let's you're compare good. lists. <laughs> oh, boy. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm struggling Getty Show, the voice of the West. Pretty interesting if you think about it. If you're in a group, if you're in a room with a group of people, everybody has determined who they'd be willing to sleep with. And there's not one person in this room that I would be willing to sleep with. Well, we're all heterosexual, but... um, 
That's interesting. We're just built that way. In case we have to procreate the species, who's a possibility here? That's right. But to me, that's not the limiting factor who I would sleep with. It's trying to figure out who of the people would sleep with me. <laughs> well, yeah, so if, like, the guys are uh, A through G and the women are 1 through 10, you know, you're. I know I'm a G. I'm looking around, oh, she says G. You know, she wasn't on my list, but, eh, you know. <laughs> You'd change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. kind of cute. <laughs> Very rarely is the problem my standards. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Hilarious. Oh, boy. Uh, bra- speaking of the psychology, what brands mean to our mind? Yeah, get to that. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we were just talking about the arrows, another one of those rallies, uh, this time in Portland, which Antifa showed up to, and there was violence, which is pretty much anywhere Antifa ever shows up. Uh, Yeah, indeed. Uh, More violence in Portland. I'm looking at the headline from Politico, how liberal Portland became America's most politically violent city, which is uh, kind of a shame for such a beautiful town. Shane Dixon Cavanaugh is a reporter for The Oregonian joins us now. Hello, Shane. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be on your show. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you spending the time. Hey, listen, our time is limited, and, you know, I, it was the Patriot Prayer folks showing up to do another one of their rallies. Is that correct? Yeah, um, that is correct. Uh, Joey Gibson and his Patriot Prayer group had organized um, a uh, demonstration both in Portland and in Vancouver yesterday, and that brought out, um, you know, a large number of counter-demonstrators as well, as has happened in the Portland area over the last several months. What's the main message, if you can sum it up from the Patriot Pair Group? Why would there be counter-demonstrators? Well, um, you know, it's sort of up easily um, because the Patriot Prayer Group is largely bringing a message that they want to say that they want the right to sort of speak freely and openly and share their points of view without sort of being shut down by counter demonstrators in Portland. Um, I would uh, also say that the I think the reason why the counter demonstrators have been so forcefully opposed to Patriot Prayer and their message is because they see that this group has uh, consistently attracted um, organizations and individuals uh, that promote racism, white nationalism, um, and other, uh, you know, controversial ideologies on the right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and Shane, we know you're here to report, not editorialize, but if I were to, uh, you know, uh, pin Antifa onto all my progressive friends, I mean, that would be completely unfair. So, you know, it's an interesting way they look at it. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on is, have you seen an evolution in the the policies of the police in the city to try to limit how uh, crazy these things get? You know, the the police sort of strategies and tactics in Portland specifically have kind of been, um, have evolved sort of on a case-by-case basis. Uh, the last few times that there have been demonstrations in Portland, there hasn't been much police presence. However, yesterday on Sunday, 
we saw a lot more police in Portland, um, and it was largely out of concern for there being an incident like the one that occurred in Charlottesville in August. Uh, but also, uh, you know, things uh, got pretty heated in the Bay Area a couple of weeks ago uh, when Gibson and his Patriot Prayer Group uh, tried to organize uh, some demonstrations in San Francisco and then showed up to some counter demonstrations in Berkeley. But did the Patriot Prayer Group have a permit and were they doing what they're permitted to do over the weekend in Portland? Um, so it was not clear if they had a permit for the demonstration in Portland. The police never mentioned that specifically. Um, they did. The main sort of event that they had was in Vancouver, uh, just across the Columbia River uh, in Washington state. Um, and again, I'm not sure if they had a permit for that event, but there was a large police presence there sort of keeping a barrier between the Patriot Prayer uh, and its participants and um, some of the counter uh, protesters who showed up there as well. Shane Dixon Cavanaugh is a reporter with the Oregonian. I was actually just reading uh, on the Oregonian that the uh, the mayor had vowed a zero tolerance policy for violence at the protests. Is is that indeed what happened? Anybody showed up with a stick or whatever and started whacking people in the head, got arrested or dragged off? How did it transpire? You, you know, uh, in Portland itself, uh, police were pretty quick to sort of uh, break up the demonstrations and disperse individuals. Uh, they made it very clear at the beginning that there were going to be no weapons of any kind allowed in the protest areas. However, you know, some projectiles were thrown, some smoke bombs were tossed. Um, and as a result, uh, that's why police sort of broke things up. And I think seven people in Portland uh, were arrested at those events. Interesting. Uh, Shane Dixon Cavanaugh of the Oregonian. Shane, we appreciate the time. Once again, well done. Good to talk to you. Thanks so much for having having me on. It's our pleasure. Thanks. <clears throat> my yeah. point, my point, obviously, being if they had a permit and showed up to talk, they get to talk. That's that's the way it works well, in our country. It is so effing obvious, so completely, ridiculously, tragically obvious. I can't believe I even have to say this. And and it's taken quite a while for Berkeley to figure this out, quite a while for San Francisco and Portland, Seattle to figure this out. You can't let people come into the park with weapons. You know why they're there. And then they go to beating on people's heads who have a permitted, they're, they're giving their, their speeches, no matter what you think of the speeches. And it's taken so long for these progressive municipalities to figure this out, but you can't permit it. Hats off to Antifa that you got so much of America calling you anti uh, counter-protesters. Anti-hate demonstrators. As opposed to a That's violent something. fascist group. Or what did, uh, uh, was it Diane Feinstein or Nancy Pelosi said they're a terrorist group? Right. They're well, a freaking and, terrorist group. And, and, and Nancy finally Pelosi the mayor of Berkeley so. had to say they're a gang. So. If Nancy Pelosi says it's a terrorist group, why are we still calling them counter-protesters? It's a pretty decent question. In an anti-hate rally, Marshall... Um, so we got this text. I don't know if this is true or not. Somebody's got a link and I haven't checked out the link. See how 60 minutes, um, adjusted the hue to make Steve Bannon look worse. (laughs) Wow. You know, I noticed Charlie, what's his name? Rose. Rose. It's ironic. I would forget Lindbergh because Charlie Rose, Charlie Rose clearly has rouge on his cheeks, clearly has lots of nice I'm 10 makeup, but with some nice blush on his cheeks to make him just a little 
Natch Rosie. Meanwhile, they put on the corpse filter for old Steve Bannon. Right. No I can't 100% see Steve Bannon being the guy. I'm not putting on makeup for your dumb oh, yeah. TV oh, yeah. interview. I, yeah, I, I do. I watched it thinking, how'd they reanimate that corpse and make him talk? <laughs> Didn't look good. Get some sunshine, Steve. It's good for you, vitamin D. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting, Sean. I'd like to know more about that. Because it, there was a striking difference in the pallor of the two gentlemen. Yeah, I could believe they'd do that. On the other hand, I've seen a lot of pictures and videos of Steve Bannon, and he always looks horrible. Yeah, feel yeah. free to show me the one where he looks alive and vibrant. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah fair, fair criticism. <laughs> Poor guy. He might not be. He might not be drinking until uh, interview time. He's Irish. He's pale. Getting four hours of sleep a day. He might not be doing that. Is that a senior racist? <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, he's got the pallor of a uh, of the dead, and not the recently dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> 